Sometime in the early part of 1994, I met with a search committee from First Baptist West. Committee chair was Jack Feltz. On the committee was Al Payne, Larry Sparks, Gail Gardner, and Irene Wheelis. We wanted to find a place where we could meet because the place where I served at that time was a very small town, and everybody knew what everybody had for dinner. And we didn't want to have to answer all the questions that might arise if a committee showed up in our little town and we had a meeting. So we didn't want to meet there. Didn't want to meet here, really, because we didn't want too many folks here having certain expectations or putting pressure on the committee or asking questions. So we needed to meet somewhere else, and we finally settled on Hillsboro as a place where we could meet. So then the question is, where in Hillsboro do you meet? Well, as you know, Al Payne was funeral director, and he had connections with the funeral home in Hillsboro. So I met with our search committee in the funeral home at Hillsboro. They made me sit under those blue and pink lights. Not really. But we had a good conversation, good talk, and things went from there. And before long, I wound up standing before you on October 9. And on that day, I shared with you a, a message entitled, You're a Preacher Too. And today, 25 years later, I want to share with you that very same message I was able to go back and find that message, and as I looked at it, it fits so well with our current series, the other 167, that I wanted to pull it out, dust it off, and share it with you again. You're, you're a preacher too. In James chapter 1, beginning at verse 22, we find a text that helps us understand our role in life, our, our goals, during the other 167 of the week. For those of you who haven't been a part of our series yet, the other 167 refers to the number of hours in a week. There's 168 hours in a week. We spend around one hour together here on Sunday morning. Who are we and what are we doing for the other 167 hours in a week? We're going to look at that again this morning. When I stood before you on October 9 of 1994, the first thing that I said to you as your pastor was, it feels good to be here. And I can tell you this, this morning that 25 years later, the same statement is true. It still feels good to be here. Over that time, things have changed Things have changed a great deal, but there are a few things that have not changed at all. Beginning with the statement that I made when we first got started that morning, and that is that I can't live the Christian life for you, and I wouldn't even if I could. But I can equip you through preaching and encourage you by loving you. I want to be the best preacher I can be, I said back then and I still say today, but I want you to know that 
you are a preacher too. Look with me in James chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. In James chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. In that text, we find, first of all, the command. The command in verse 22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. One of the things that jumped out at me as I looked at my notes from the first time that I shared this message with you is that there's a, the, the next statement in, the, in the, the sermon notes says, hearing is easy. For some reason, I'm not sure I can say that with such confidence now. Hearing is not as easy for me as it once was. I was worried about Lisa's hearing, believe it or not. I went to the doc and I said, Doc, there's something wrong with her hearing. She doesn't even know it. And he said, well, let's test that out. When you go home today, you walk in the, in the, the door, before you go very far into the house, just ask her, what's for dinner? So I entered into the door and before I got in the living room, I said, Lisa, what's for dinner? And like I expected, there was no response. I walked in a little bit farther and I said, Lisa, what's for dinner? Like I expected, there was no response. Finally, I went in the room where she was. I said, Lisa, what's for dinner? She said, for the third time, we're having spaghetti. <laughs> now, I know that joke is old, but I told it 25 years ago. So give me a break. It's funny how hearing changes over time. Mine really is getting worse. So if you're talking to me and I don't respond quite right, it could be because I didn't hear you. But on the surface, it's much easier to hear than it is to do. And so James knows that it's important to specify to us, to make it a specific direction, a command, for lack of a better word, don't just settle for the easy thing of hearing. Be doers, not just hearers. You know, I think there's something in us where we just kind of want credit for hearing. We showed up on Sunday. We went to life group or we went to Sunday morning small group or we showed up. We heard, we want credit. But it's the doing that actually counts, isn't it? To be doers, that, that phrase 
tells us to keep on doing the word. Keep on doing the word, not just when it's convenient, but we become doers regardless of our situation, our circumstances. One of the things that I said that, that morning that still just jumps out at me again, there are a lot of people in West who will never come to hear me preach the word, but they will watch you and you can preach it if you live it. I still believe that. This many years later, there are a lot of people in this town who have never come to hear me preach, but those very same people have watched you live. And through your life, you've been preaching. Because you're a preacher too. And so he says, do the word. Don't just hear it, but do it. Live it out. That's the command. And then in our text, we also have the opportunity to see the means of obeying the command. How do we go about that? Well, it is implied in that same verse 22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, be doers of the word. And so we know what it is that we're supposed to do because we have it. The word instructs us. It is, it is life's operating manual. We, we understand here how to live like Christ. We understand here to love one another, to, to put others before we put ourselves. We have here to make disciples. Our lives in the other 167, our lives outside of these walls are explained and defined for us in his word. What do we do for 167? This is what... This is what tells us. This is how we know how to live the life that God planned for us. We have the means of obeying the command. And so earlier, Kendall read for us from 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. In other words, it can help you to do what? To live out the life that God intends for you. How does it do that? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. In other words, all scripture is good for teaching us how to live, teaching us the path to take. Reproof is saying, hey, you're off the path. Correction is, here's how to get back on the path. And training in righteousness is, here's how you stay on the path. So the Bible is that which we need to learn how to live the life God intended us to live. In the Old Testament, we see it in a similar way. In Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word shines the light to tell me how to go and where to go. When we go through life without any light, we wander through the darkness. 
we're unaware of the dangers around us. When you get up in the middle of the night, you don't want to turn the light on because it might bother someone else. And so you try to get from your bed to the bathroom in the dark. And you get up out of bed, you're trying to make your way through the bedroom and you don't see the stuff on the floor. You trip over it and you make a loud noise and you holler and you scream. Now everybody's awake. Why? Because you didn't have a light on. You couldn't see where you were going. How many people live life without even turning the light on on their path? They're just trying to figure it out on their own and they don't realize the dangers that are in front of them. So many folks, not only do they miss the dangers, but they miss the destination. They don't even get to the right place because they didn't turn the light on to see the pathway. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's the means of obeying the command. As we learn the word, we will live the word. And then we'll end up preaching the word through the way we live the word. 167 hours, we have the opportunity to demonstrate God's life, God's, the life he wants for us. We have the opportunity to demonstrate God's plan for our lives in a world that needs to see that. We have 167 hours every week to let people see his word lived out, thereby preaching it in a way that really makes the most sense. We hear the command and we see the means of obeying the command. Look for just a moment at the consequences of disobeying the command. The consequences of disobeying. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, when we're only hearers, we deceive ourselves. How does that work? Well, we come to church, we come to Sunday school, we listen to somebody on the radio or the TV, and they say something that connects with us, that, that, that we know God is saying something to us. And when we feel that connection, we say, amen. Well, y'all don't say amen very often, but we say, yeah. We say, I get that. Yes, I agree. And what happens is when we say, I agree with that, we think that means that we've got it. We're deceiving ourselves. A hearer only deceives himself. Because he agrees with it, he thinks that means he's got it. Beloved, we don't got it till we do it. That's when we've got it. The consequences of disobeying the command, we live a lie. You know, it's easier to lie to yourself than it is to anyone else. It's easy to lie to yourself. One of my friends started making bad grades in one of his classes. And he just kept telling himself, oh, it doesn't matter, won't, it's no big deal, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then the report card came out. Mama didn't like what she saw on the report card. And my friend realized 
that he had just successfully lied to himself that whole semester. He had convinced himself that he was fine. When in the end, he wasn't anywhere close to okay. It's very easy to live our lives that way. It's very easy to lie to self. Why? Because it's a self-defense mechanism. We want to know and think the best of ourselves. And so when we lie to ourselves, we believe it almost automatically. It's very easy to deceive self. And so he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He goes on to explain what that might look like. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Why do you look in the mirror? You look in the mirror to see if there's anything you need to fix. Do I have dirt on my face? Is my hair straight? You look in the mirror for a reason. To make sure you're looking okay, to make sure everything's all right. What if you look in the mirror and you see a problem and you do nothing about the problem, you just don't want to see it anymore, so you leave the mirror. Now I don't have to admit that there's a problem. I haven't done anything to fix the problem. I just don't have to see it. James says that's exactly like the person who looks into the word and God says, let's work on this and that. Let's go this direction. Let's, let's, let's take on something new. And we see it. And then we close it. Okay, I got the message. And we walk away from the mirror without ever doing anything about what we saw there. It's like the children that we just talked about a little while ago. Mom says, clean your room. You say, okay, I've heard you, and then don't clean your room. What's the point? There are consequences for that. I asked the children what happened. They said, you get in trouble. That makes sense. We wind up in trouble when we live a lie and deceive ourselves because we're only hearing instead of doing. My English teacher in high school was, uh, he really was a great guy. He was misunderstood by many, but he was a great guy. I called him coach, and I don't even understand why, because he wasn't a coach. It just fit our relationship. I just called him coach. And coach would often have conversations with me after class, and he would encourage me, and he would... He would take an extra interest in who I was. In almost every conversation, he would say to me, Crowder, to thine own self be true. And I thought, man, this dude is so smart. He talks like they did back in King James time. I didn't realize he was quoting Shakespeare to me. From Hamlet, to thine own self be true be true. And he would use that in a variety of different ways, and it stuck with me. I say that to myself 
I don't know, maybe not daily, but at least weekly. Crowder, to thine own self be true. When, the, when someone else tries to tell you who you are, to thine own self be true. When the world tells you what's important, to thine own self be true. It has saved me so many times just the, just the, the thought of the importance of being honest with John. I appreciate Coach helping me with that. And so I looked it up and wanted to find out more about the context. And this is what the character says in Hamlet. This above all, to thine own self be true. And it must follow as the night, the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. It makes just as much sense as night following day. The reality that I can be honest with others if I am first honest with me. So James says, don't fall into the trap of self-deception. Be doers and not just hearers. Hearers listen and they agree and they think that means that they've got it. They look in the mirror and they see and then they walk away and forget what's there. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus challenges us at this very point. This is the, basically the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And after he has preached the word, his word, he concludes the Sermon on the Mount by saying, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, see, they're still hearing. Both groups heard. Only one group did. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them builds his house on the rock, so he's steady when the storm comes. But in this verse, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, floods came, winds blew. Did you notice the circumstances were the same for both? For both people, the floods came, the rain fell, the winds blew. It beat against the house, but this time it fell, and great was the fall of it. Because they heard, but only one did. As we look at the consequences for disobeying the command, notice as well there are rewards for obeying the command. He says in verse 25, 
but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Different from the one who looked and walked away. This one looks and perseveres. He stays with it. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There is great blessing when we do God's word. The New Testament promises blessings, crowns of glory, but the best blessing, one that we referred to not long ago, the best blessing is that opportunity to one of these days hear the Father say, well done. And remember, we never get to hear well done unless we first well do. You're a preacher too. You preach by doing and not just hearing. Edgar Guest, I think, summed it up beautifully in his poem called Sermons We See. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see good put in action is what everybody needs. So let me ask you this morning, what kind of sermons do you preach the other 167? You're a preacher too. What do people learn as they watch?